Good morning for Friday, January 3rd, 2014. Audible presents the New York Times Audio Digest. Here's what's making news on the front page today. Militants threaten two key Iraqi cities. Emergency visits seen increasing with health law and allowed to join the bar but not to take a job. In today's national headlines, Kerry making pact on climate a top priority as 21 inches of snow buffet the Northeast. In this morning's business headlines, the Dow was down 135 yesterday, the Nasdaq was down 33 and a half. Regulator loses its hard-charging chairman. A billion-dollar security acquisition merges two darlings. We hear the latest from San Francisco. And ebullience over 2013 IPOs carries over into the new year. There will be more business stories, more national and world news, a roundup from the sports page, and New York Times columnist David Brooks. Now from the editors of the New York Times, here are the stories on today's front page. The top stories written from Baghdad by Yasser Ghazi and Timurangyo, titled Militants Threaten Two Key Iraqi Cities. Radical Sunni militants aligned with al-Qaeda threatened Thursday to seize control of Fallujah and Ramadi, two of the most important cities in Iraq, setting fire to police stations, freeing prisoners from jail, and occupying mosques as the government rushed troop reinforcements to the areas. Dressed in black and waving the flag of al-Qaeda, the militants commandeered mosque loudspeakers to call for supporters to join their struggle in both cities in the western province of Anbar, which have increasingly become centers of Sunni extremism. The violence in Ramadi and Fallujah had implications beyond Anbar's borders, as the Sunni militants fought beneath the same banner as the most hardline jihadists they've inspired in Syria, the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria, or ISIS. That fighting and a deadly bombing in the Beirut area on Thursday provided the latest evidence that the Syrian civil war was helping breed bloodshed and sectarian violence around the region, further destabilizing Lebanon and Iraq while fueling a resurgence of radical Islamist fighters. It was not possible amid the unfolding chaos to determine a precise number of casualties, but officials in hospitals in Anbar reported at least 35 people were killed Thursday and more than 70 were wounded. Security officials in Anbar said the total killed over several days of fighting was 108, including 31 civilians and 35 militants. The rest of the dead were Iraqi security force members. The fighting began after Prime Minister Nuri Kamal al-Maliki, a Shiite, ordered security forces to dismantle protest encampments in Fallujah and Ramadi. The order came after fighting erupted following the government's arrest of a prominent Sunni lawmaker who had been a supporter of the protests, which had been going on for more than a year, and had become an outlet for disenchanted Sunnis angered over the treatment by Maliki's Shiite-dominated government. The arrest set off a firefight that left several bodyguards and the brother of the lawmaker dead, and led to clashes between the government and armed tribesmen. Officials later seemed to have calmed the situation, and Maliki agreed to withdraw army troops from Anbar on Tuesday. But as soon as any trace of government authority vanished, large numbers of Qaeda-aligned fighters attacked the cities, and by Wednesday the Prime Minister reversed his decision. He sent troops to try to secure the support of local tribal leaders, offering them guns and money to join forces with the regular army. 
In a telephone interview on Thursday, one tribal fighter loyal to the government, Abu Omar, described heavy clashes across Fallujah and said the government had started shelling militant hideouts. We told all the families to leave their houses, he said over the phone, with the sound of gunfire in the background. Many of the families fled from the city, and others are still unable to because of the heavy clashes.